welcome to the whole house. Today it's Carly, Kathleen, Lori, and Amory, and baby Lana. <laughs> She's sleeping. Uh, today we're here to talk about the superpowers of motherhood. And we would all consider ourselves super moms, right? I hope. I hope I mean, so. Some days, I yes, most yeah. days, most super. of the time. <laughs> I have a I have a shirt that says super mom. When I summon all my superpowers, yes. <laughs> so our little fun question to begin today is what's the last thing you cooked? The last thing I cooked was oh, and I used my new Instapot for the first <laughs> oh my time. Are we jumping Woo-hoo! on the Instapot bandwagon now? Instapot is my best friend. I made brown rice in my Instapot, and then I cooked chicken, and I made a sauce for it. It was um, coconut something, Ooh. coconut Ooh. curry. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's the last thing that I cooked. Um, you and I are on the same wavelength because the last thing I cooked was rice and chicken and tikka masala or however you say it oh, and yeah. on. It's like my Indian food is my it's my go to. I have all of those things sitting waiting for me to cook them. I love Indian food. <laughs> but the last thing I cooked was the chicken nuggets. <laughs> no. no, we're out. We're out right now. <laughs> No, the last thing I cooked was a quesadilla, a cheese and beef quesadilla for Judah. And he sat down at the table and he said, he took one bite, he squeezed all the cheese out, took it out and said, this part's garbage. Oh my gosh. Well, thank thank you so much. Uh, The last thing, uh, does baking count? Yes, especially Uh, if we ate some of that baking. You did. Uh, The last thing that I made was those, I call them mounds, mounds cookies, because I didn't put the almonds in it, but they were so good. They were so good. My teeth still hurt. There was this thing going around on Facebook, This your question reminded me of this, where it's, um, if you could choose one of these things as a mom, what would it be? Like your house being cleaned all the time, automatically, yes. all your errands be run, your kids eat no you matter like. what you, what you make no matter what, without complaining, and there's one more, and I honestly, over all of those other things, would choose my kids eating what I make them. I would too. Because it's so fresh. Because every yeah. time I put something in front of Cecilia, she's like... I don't want this. Especially when they ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Can I tell you how many times that JR will not eat what I made and go for a bowl of cereal? Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, I had that rule. I I learned that rule from my mom. The rule was if you didn't like what we were having for dinner, you couldn't complain, but you could make yourself a peanut butter sandwich instead as long as that's, you just got up and made it and didn't say anything. So I had that rule with my kids. Like, when I made dinner, if you don't like it, you can make yourself a peanut butter sandwich, but then you can't say anything else about it because, mm-hmm. and my friend Kelly had this rule, I think I which I love that. this rule, is if you complained about dinner, then you got to make everybody dinner the next time, and one of her kids <laughs> actually idea. made everybody peanut butter sandwiches <laughs> for dinner. I, I was there for that dinner. <laughs> <laughs> JR would have loved that dinner. Oh, That's pretty funny. That's great. Okay. I just made my friend Tony tell me that it was okay to not make 
Judah something else yeah. if he refused to eat what he asked for. Yeah. She said she does that to her 8 and 10-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfectly okay. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if they're 8 and 10, yeah. and if they really don't like what they got, then they can make a peanut yeah. butter sandwich or they can be hungry. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I told I tell Cecilia all the time because I make things. I don't. I, sometimes I try new things, but I always stick to, like, you know, a general, like, this is what my kids like. Kind of mm-hmm. yeah. And then every time I put something in front of Cecilia, she complains about it. And I always tell her, you're not allowed to complain about this because I know you like this. Mm-hmm. So, And then she tries to procrastinate. She's like, oh my can gosh. I have a drink of water? And so, of course, it takes me 10 minutes to get her a drink of water because I'm doing it. No, if you need to know one thing about Cecilia, it's that she is yeah. an extreme procrastinator. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> and then I'll get her a drink of water and she hasn't taken a bite. And she's like, oh, I just needed to wait until you got me water. And then she'll, she'll do that same thing. Like, can you turn? on a song for me and she'll be like no I'm waiting until this song comes on I had to coach her through eating a whole hot dog a couple weeks ago she that did, yeah, is, she did that the other day when we had Audrey's gosh. kids. She did the same thing. Everybody else has cleaned their whole plate. They're ready to so play, and Cecilia is just starting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you wonder why that's what I would choose. That is why. <laughs> I don't know if this would be helpful for kids that young, but I I ask the kids. But whenever I'm making my menu, I'm like, "What would you guys like to eat this week yeah. for dinner?" I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I used to let my kids pick out yeah. a dinner, but. It doesn't mean it won't backfire, yeah, right? right? I know. Well, that's like last night I made potato soup. Jr. had cereal. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. All right. Let's jump back into um, just... Kathleen's going to start off with um, a story about how... Yeah, I'm actually... in motherhood. Yeah, I'm actually going to read to you. This is out of my book, A Positive Adoption Story. Yes, I... I'm blocking the mic here with my paper. (laughs) So I'm just going to read this to you. I hiked up the carpeted stairs of the townhouse with baby Audrey slung over my shoulder. She slept until I stopped moving up and down like a human escalator. Then the crying began. Relentless, ear-piercing, you are not going to sleep all night, Mama, crying. She doesn't like me, I worried to Jerry. My own baby doesn't like me. Jerry's job kept him away 80 hours a week. Some nights he stayed in a hotel close to work to grab a few hours of sleep before he began another shift. We owned only one vehicle, so I was alone with Audrey 90% of the time. My dreams of motherhood had come crashing down over my head in a deep, depressing darkness. The few times Audrey smiled, I snapped a photo. I think you brought the wrong baby home from the hospital, my brother-in-law teased. (laughs) I don't want to have any more children, I confessed to Jerry late one night. Now, all of you who really know me will think that's hilarious since I have seven children, but that's how I felt at the time. All of those early marriage conversations about adopting and having a large family seemed idiotic and idyllic. Reality was just too much for me to bear. I had envisioned motherhood in a warm yellow glowing light with fresh flowers on the table, a pressed apron, a perfect home, and family dinner at the table every night. 
I would rise early in the morning like the Proverbs 31 woman, shower and put on pressed clothing, apply makeup, and do my hair. I'm sorry. I know. (laughs) When I read this part in your book. I know. That was just my vision. Baby Guire would be smiling, giggling. We would spend the day cleaning, playing, sorting socks, and preparing nutritious food together. Oh, my goodness. In the real Guire world, Jerry rarely made it home for dinner. I spent my days in an exhaustion-induced fog, wearing puke-covered PJs, catching up on the Brady Bunch reruns (laughs) while walking the floor with Audrey. Motherhood is the hardest job I've ever done, but without purpose, staying home is nothing more than survival. Yes. So the one thing that I really had to learn was motherhood has a purpose, and I really wanted to focus on motherhood and our superpowers because in our current culture, if you tell someone you stay home, like we were talking about this yesterday, and Lori shared this was from a Wednesday night Bible study. When our teacher went around the room and said, okay, how everyone just tell your name and what you do. So everybody, you know, ladies are saying, well, I'm this and I'm a nurse and I'm this and I'm that, which is fine. But when it got to the few moms in the room who were stay-at-home moms, it's almost like they wanted the chair to swallow them up. Like, I'm this and I'm a stay-at-home mom. No, it was mostly, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Right, and I hate the word just. I know. I'm like, no, don't say it like that. Right. <laughs> don't say it like that because we have a purpose, and we're going to talk about that, and we actually have superpowers. Yes. And I just want to encourage women about that. Well, I remember, I love Facebook memories because... Um, you know, it shows all these cute pictures of my kids when they were toddlers. and and But it also brings up how I used to feel before I homeschooled and was a stay-at-home mom. And I noticed, which it, it seems like a whole different person to me now whenever I look back at it, because... Um, it was, I would say things like, oh my gosh, another snow day. I wish my kids would go back to school. They're annoying me. Or, oh my gosh, is this summer vacation ever going to end? I can't wait for my kids to go back to school and I could be left alone. And I, now where I'm at in my life, I look back and I think, why was I saying those things? That's kind of some horrible things to say about your own kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, sometimes right. they're annoying, yeah. But that's, I mean, if you heard someone say that about you, yeah. how would you feel about that? Yeah. yeah you know? Terrible. And I thought to myself, am I, was I saying those things because society says those things? So I thought that I had to feel that way too? Or was I saying them because I actually felt that way? Well, and, like, I wonder, I wonder how many people do feel that way because they're so used to being selfish yeah Yeah. and so we've talked before about how like there's nothing like motherhood to make you realize your selfishness how selfish you are yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so like now that we're very in tune with how selfish like humans really are yeah um, right i don't know yeah yeah Yeah, i think that um it's we get in our mind like 
Oh, my kids keep keep coming and interrupting my work. My kids keep coming to in, interrupting yeah. my work. And what you really need to think about is that your work keeps coming to interrupt. Like your kids are your work, and exactly, and yeah. that's your that's your primary goal. And these other things that you're doing, they're your interruptions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And if we're home focused, yeah. then we're focusing on rearing our children and <clears throat> and instilling character and doing things to train them. And those other things are interruptions. So right. why don't you read us your, the superpowers and then we'll go? Yeah. Our so superpowers. The first, the, first, um, the first thing we have on our list of superpowers is attachment. And I think that I think that Lori, your story about you know the different perspective you had when your kids were in school. Uh, do you wonder like oh, yeah, maybe you, you guys that. lacked attachment? Like, yeah, and hmm. and that's what made you right. You had all of you. Part to that story oh, I did. Too. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of Facebook memories, it just popped up like when my my daughter just had her eleventh birthday, and when she was born. I became a full-time stay-at-home mom. Like, I stopped working completely, mostly mm-hmm. because my husband's company finally had insurance, which was the only reason I was working in the first place, was for the insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it popped up, like, 11 years ago. I started my job as a stay-at-home missionary, and that's how I put it. And, and I wrote, when I shared it, I said, wow, I... I've been a stay-at-home mom for 11 years, by far the most important mission field God has ever called me to. And I didn't start homeschooling, so I didn't have them home 24-7 until Rebecca was in uh, first grade. And just these superpowers that you're about to read off that moms have, every single one of them started to happen with me and my children, mm-hmm. like that connection and knowing who they were as people mm-hmm. and not just an annoyance that I shoo off to school. Every, right. Cause, you know? Oh, thank you. We often think about attachment with babies. You yes. know, we know that that's really important in their infancy. But we, what we don't Hi. think about sometimes is that Hi. that attachment is really important as children and as teens. A lot of teens are, you know, going astray because they are not having those attachment moments with their parents because we can get this... Can you tell me? I can draw you something. We get this idea that once they're teens that they don't need us anymore, and that's not true. It's okay. I can draw or something. And Moira on my lap. <laughs> Because she is our mission. Yes. yes. She is our work. I'm going to take her out. <laughs> okay. So I'll just read this little definition of attachment in case you don't know what it is. But just try to think of it as not just an infant. Think of it as a child also. Attachment is as simple as it is profound. The infant expresses a need and the parent meets that need. So the child expresses a need, the parent meets that need. And what that looks like in the form of a teen is a teen is struggling with an issue. All these people invited me to this party. 
Mm-hmm. Should I go? I think their parents might be there. They might not. They might be. And the thing is, the more attached you are to your teen, the more open and honest they will be. And they might come to you at 10 or 11 at night because that's what teens do. It is. Come to your do. room and sit on your bed. Mom, I have a question. Yes. <laughs> Me and my oldest, he's 18 now and almost ready to graduate high school. Oh my gosh, that sounds so crazy. But <laughs> he, a lot of our discussions are mid night when I'm half I'm starting to just doze off mom what what can I need to talk to you okay okay I'm I'm up I'm up right you know right (laughs) and that's where the attachment cycle continues and it continues so that's really important and I think like in the moment because I'm a girl that loves my sleep Mm-hmm. And in the moment, I'm like, I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> but when I, if I stop and think about it, I think he's not going to do this forever. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I need to be there for him right now. Right. And I can't look at getting up five times at night with a two and a half year old as he's not going to do this forever. I need to savor it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's hard. a little different. That is, that's hard to savor. I will say that that point in my life, I don't miss very much. Did you remember the part where I said motherhood is the hardest job I've ever done? Yeah. There's nothing like a, like a high needs baby oh, I toddler to, uh, to make you right <laughs> that's right I did we didn't say that when you enter motherhood that it's going to be an easy road remember my and mistaken you're going to love every single stage right you're not going to love every minute of it all right so let's move on to our next superpower which is building relationships yes relationships are actually scientifically proven they are brain food Yes. Relationships are what grow the brain. So the best way to grow the brain is with a relationship. When you spend time with your child, playing games, wrestling, having a tea party, building with Legos, you are feeding the brain. Play therapy was developed to help children with growth and development and emotional modulation and trauma resolution. So who knew fun was so important? Yeah. So... That is so important. And our children learn how to form relationships by the way that we relate to them. And you were talking about this a little bit earlier, about if you had that attitude, I can't wait for my children to go back to school. Yeah. What, what kind of relationships would they form with people because of the way you were talking to them or thinking about them. Yeah, like right. they have a friend over and they're like, man, I can't wait till this guy leaves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's true, though. I mean, yeah. what? Yeah. I if somebody, if somebody would say those things about me, oh, my gosh, she's so annoying. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait for her to go home. Oh, my gosh, this is too much time with her. I would be. <laughs> how long is you? How long is Lori staying today? How much of my coffee is she gonna drink while she's yeah, here? Exactly. I know. Sorry, I do drink a lot, but <laughs> I'll coffee. <laughs> but it, that that's hurtful. Whenever people say those things about adults, so why would they be any less hurtful when we say that about our children? Right. And so that relationship that we're having with our children, they're going to mirror that in their own life. How we relate to them at home, how we relate to them in their life, how we we talk to them, how we let them ask questions, how we answer those questions. That's what they're going to mirror in their own relationships. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's kind of scary because when you get out there in the world and you see people who can't 
and I'm not talking about people on the spectrum. I'm talking about neurotypical <laughs> who can't have a conversation without getting angry right away yes. or, you know. All you got to do is look at Facebook and or, see that. Or, like, <laughs> what about, like, preteens or teenagers now who can't even carry on a conversation with you. Right. Because, like, they've basically been raised by technology yeah. right. and lack yeah. these relationship skills. Yeah. Like, I remember growing up, I don't know if I've said this before yet, but I remember growing up and my friends made fun of me for speaking to the teachers at school like they yes. were actual people. Yeah. yeah. Like, having a conversation with yeah. the teacher was ridiculous. Right. And <laughs> I, I mean, I when I was growing up, first of all, we didn't have a TV because my mother just thought those were evil. Kind of like your microwave? Yeah, yeah. kind of like the microwave <laughs> that I just used to warm up my coffee. So I guess I'm being converted. But I, I do have a TV. But anyway, I just, I know that we learned greater conversation skills and learned to love literature because of the fact that we didn't have a television. Yeah. And I'm not on some rampage to tell you all to get <laughs> right. rid of your television, but I am saying that I'm you should... i rid of my television. <laughs> <laughs> you? you should limit it being your babysitter. Yeah, I'm thinking Shaylee and Katie did an episode on, like... Their sponsors. <laughs> sponsored yes. by moms who don't <laughs> have TVs. <laughs> <laughs> That's super women that they are. Yeah, yeah Cecilia is... Um, I think I've talked about this before. She's very, very, very talkative, just naturally. But um, she's not just, she doesn't just ramble on. She also likes to have conversations with people, and she's really good at it. And um, people always compliment me on those things. They're like, oh, my goodness, she speaks so well. She actually sits there and talks to you. She listens to what you're saying. And um, Seth. My husband has commented before about um, other children. He's like, why don't they do that? And I'm like, well, because you, they're not being engaged in conversations themselves. When they have, or probably not being spoken to. Yeah, they're not being just a baby. Right. They're not being spoken to. They're being told to be quiet because something else is going on. If they have a question, then the question's not being answered. Seth and I try really hard to whenever Cecilia asks us a question to really answer the question, even if it's a ridiculous question, because, and trust me, that takes up like 90% of my day. Because <laughs> Judah's the same way. Until it comes down to like an there existential no, question, and I'm like, because that's how God made it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. There is no other right or reason for this. Yep. But um, because we want we want her to feel like she can ask those questions and those questions do have answers because later on in life she's going to have questions and we want her to be able to feel like she can approach either us or somebody else with those questions and right. st- instead of just sitting there in her mind like, oh, I, I have a question but nobody's going to yeah. answer it. That, and that's a really great point because you want your children to Ask those questions at home under your roof yes. right. before yes. they're grown. And yeah. let me Don't just point to, to teens a little bit. You know, you want your teens to be able to ask you any question about anything, yeah. about anything without yeah, you saying, oh, my gosh, yeah. that's not you're... biblical or that's yeah. not, you know, yeah. Yeah. you need to be willing. We don't talk about those things. <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about SEX or yeah. any of those other things. <laughs> right. No, you need to be willing because yeah. here's the mm-hmm. thing. 
If you don't answer their so questions, somebody else, somebody yeah. else or, or something else will. shoot until they figure yeah. it out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, my dad was very good about, about that. Whenever we had the talk, yeah. he's yes. like, if you ever have any questions about anything, then you can come to me and ask. And I had some questions. <laughs> and he's like, I was not ready for your question. <laughs> but all I remember is him doing a really good job of not making me feel like I was stupid. Yeah. Right. Right, and I want to give Adam Simmons yeah. a shout out because oh, I was before, that. Yeah. before I was a parent, and I remember being like at Thanksgiving or something or Christmas before Gabe and I got married, and I remember like listening to Adam explain something in detail to the boys who were toddlers back then, the twins, and I remember thinking like, this is. Do they even understand him? And yes. now I'm around the seven-year-old twins, <laughs> yes. and I'm like, they are, <laughs> they understand everything. Right? <laughs> and so, like, Adam is probably the reason yeah. that I explain things the way I do to Judah. Yes, you know and what's he's funny very though? good at that. Something that I notice that whenever those type of kids, like my kids, are very good at talking to adults. Adults are not used to that out of preteen yes. teenagers, yes. so they right. kind of look at them like they have two <laughs> mm-hmm. heads. Yes. Well, and I think it's because most of them can't. Yeah. Well, right. yeah, and I have. It's not as cute as when they're yeah. toddlers. <laughs> In my experience, um, I was talking to Seth the other day about people like personalities and people that I have trouble talking to, like personality types of. And um, a few of my friends are just really quiet people. And I'm like, I love them and I want to engage in conversation with them and I want to learn, but it's so hard for me to engage in conversation with them because I feel like it's one sided. And I asked that, I was like, why do you, I mean, other than just being a personality, why do you think that they don't talk to me? Like, they, mm-hmm. they can't. Right. I ask them questions, I try and get, I try yeah. and start the con- and they don't do that for me. Why don't they? And he was like, because they never learned that from from their mom, mm-hmm. from wherever they were going. Because you're just, when you're not at home with your mom um, or someone's steady and they aren't there to have a conversation with you, right. to sit there and talk to you. When you, I, I didn't go to public school, but I know that when you go to public school, you go from one class to the next class you to do. the next class to the next. I did go to public school. And then, <laughs> I did too. And then, so you weren't with somebody long enough to, because during class, you're most of the time well, you're Well, you're listening. responsible for doing that. So yeah. if you don't have the skills to begin with. You're not taught them. Yeah. Not, yeah. So say you get to like eighth grade and you don't know how to like ask someone questions then it's going to be a lot harder to make friends yeah i'm very awkward around those type of people because i I, i've told you this told kathleen this before but i really just i don't like small talk i don't it annoys me right (laughs) like like how's the weather i don't know look outside (laughs) (laughs) but you know so if i if i go up to someone and ask them pointed questions about things and then they just give me like a one second answer and then i'm like Okay. Okay. Where do we go from here? My husband. My husband's like that. I go. Okay. Bye. And I walk away. (laughs) (laughs) And there are only certain people who understand that about Gabe, and so like, some people know know what to ask him to get him to. Yeah, I was gonna say you have to know what to ask him. You have to know what to ask, and so it's just it's a matter of like 
actually being deeper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's another interesting thing about motherhood and relationships is, you know, when you have more than one child, then you notice that they all come out differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you have to learn gosh, yes. how so to adjust your expectations and adjust the way that you speak to them and adjust the way that you train them because they're all different. Mm-hmm. And Thank goodness. Right. I'm so glad we're different and diverse and we're not I all the like same. Right. Well, if I have, yeah. If, if I have another kid and it's exactly like you. Die. Well, I, I, I always say. I'm trying to force me too many children. Listen, I'm I can just see my, I see my future because Judah is basically. Cecilia, yes, two, two and a half years behind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I I am a very um, I uh, reclusive person. Yeah. Like I enjoy deep conversations and stuff like that. But to recharge, I have to be like alone. Right, you're an introvert. Yeah. Um, and I always say that God gave me Jr. second because if I'd have had him first, I'd have had no more children. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what my mom says about my sister. <laughs> <laughs> So let's move well, on you to. You have more children. I did. I did. And Rebecca's Praise amazing. Lord. Yes. Um, They're so all amazing in their own little way. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the yes. next superpower that moms have, which is influence. Okay. Influence. Influence over everything. Yes. Influence is the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behavior, opinions, etc. of others. So when we have that superpower, and it goes all the way back to um, the garden, Adam and Eve. Eve influenced Adam Mm -hmm. in the wrong way. So she used her superpower... For the, for the not good right. and is it affected <laughs> yeah all of us but we Maybe. but the the great thing is we still have that superpower it hasn't gone away yeah. yeah we can influence the actions of our children we can influence their behaviors we can influence everything in their lives because that's our superpower yeah. uh yeah and i think i've told you before like my husband will tell me yes to everything that I ask him. Anything that I ask, he will tell me yes to. I have to be careful because I could very easily be like, hmm, selfish, you know, he's going to say yes to this. I'm going to go do it, uh, you know. Do you think he might be maybe a two on the Enneagram? <laughs> I don't know. You might I forget be. what all those are, so. Because <laughs> I can't. I'll say yes to everything. <laughs> he says, anything that I want, and, like, I've made a post um, just, like, yesterday yeah. or the day before. Yeah, about your concealed carry. About my concealed carry permit. I mentioned it one time to him, but because he loves that type of thing, he is bending over backwards to make sure I'm going to love it, too. Yeah. Wow. And he used money and gift cards that he was given for Christmas for himself and bought me things so that I can enjoy that with him. Because, wow. you know, that's the power of influence. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just... And I think we can either look at this as a good thing or bad thing that we don't even know how far our influence can go. Right. Like, I remember talking about this at church one time that, like, the... the Our actions, like, create ripples that right. just yeah. will go farther and farther. Like, we don't... 
we may never even see the fruits exactly. of the the labor we're doing yeah. now. Right. Right. Like right. our like our great 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 grandchildren yeah. on down the line. Because right. Like my influence. mother's influence. Yeah. Yeah. Because she became a first generation Christian, uh-huh. and then we're the second generation, and my children are the third generation. Yeah. And that blessing will keep going. And I'm just going to read you this little excerpt about the influence. Because we're talking about, you know, today we're congregation of women scream, we want power. And that's just a cry of a hurting world. You know, we want power. Sometimes we think that power is the answer. And what we don't realize is that we already have power. And it comes through influence. And... um, it is the woman, the wife and the mother, who wields the power of influence. She is that quiet warrior behind closed doors who scrubs bacteria from toilets, tucks wiggly bodies into beds, makes peanut butter sandwiches, and judges Lego building contests. She covers the words of the Lord with sticky tabs and prays in the gray dawn for her husband, her children, and those sick in the church body, noticing those hurting souls. She makes the house feel like a home, Mm -hmm. whether it is a trailer, an orphanage sick room, a suburban house, a mansion, or in a gated community. She plants flowers, reminding the family that beauty exists when the money is too tight to travel to a museum. She has water fights with her teens in the backyard and when the move to a new city isn't working out. She laughs at the child's first attempt at a group. At a joke. We love those first jokes. I know. They're, um, they're funny. <laughs> and this reference is one of my favorites. The mother holds the flagon with the dragon, the chalice with the palace, the cup of poison. That's from the court jester with Danny Kay. She can share the poison cup and live in a negative environment. Like Carly said, you know, we can use our influence for bad or good. We can be full of negativity and strife. But she also holds the honey-flavored drink of kindness that she can dispense regularly for a sweet environment. It is up to her which one she drinks and shares from and which she throws out. Yeah. I think that there is a reason that in Proverbs we are called to raise up our children in the way that they should go and that when they're old. And the, is a com- that's accompanied with the, the fact that... Um, Mom, mothers should be homework, or women should be homework focused and focusing on their children. It's because if you, our mother, are raising your children in the way that they should go, and you are the, with them all the time, then whenever, and you are encouraging them and giving them, teaching them how to react to someone, or giving them a Bible verse when they're angry, or something like that, and when they get older, the little voice in the back of their head is going to be you, and it's going to be hopefully a positive one, hopefully Mm -hmm. one that's giving a scripture verse, hopefully one that's encouraging or saying, stop and help that lady or stop and uh, help that mom who has three kids and needs her groceries put in her car. Your, your voice is going to be the one in the back of your child's mind. And or Daniel Tiger. Or Daniel Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> the one turned Daniel Tiger. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, and Seth just watched. <laughs> There's, uh, Seth just listened to this. When I listened to it with him, um, it was like a 50 or so questions with, um, uh, I forget his last name, but I know his first name is Nathan, and he works with a pastor, Doug Wilson, out and um, 
and he, they, one of the questions that they asked him, they were following him around his day and just asking him random questions, and one of the ones they asked him was, who was the most influ influential person in your Christian faith and in your walk with Christ? And he mentioned some men, like this, which are important, like obviously some pastors yes. that spoke to him and stuff. Mm -hmm. But he also said that he said my mother was the most important one because she's the one who taught me what grace was originally. She's the one who taught me um, forgiveness originally and love and all of those things. So um, even um, I think that, and it's evident when you ask anybody and like you're talking to them and you say and anybody who has come from a positive background with a good mom or has come into that background with a good mom, and you ask them, and they always attribute everything to their mom. Yeah. Right. And that's something um, yeah, I influence. Yeah, for that. When you said something about your mom being first generation. Yeah. Yes. Um, that reminded me, and this is a story my grandmother just told me, that I, I grew up my whole life not knowing. I'm 36 now, and I didn't know this until recently. Her parents did not take her to church. Hmm. Yeah. She was invited to church by friends, and then she got her parents to go. So it was my grandmother's influence. Yeah. Wow. Knowing my family the way that they are. My dad is a pastor. My mother is a pastor's wife. My dad is a pastor, yeah. It's, it's from her going with friends. Wow. It was, her, huh. it was her. She was the one that her and her and my grandfather, because they... You know, Elkins, it's a very yeah. close well, community. But. Right. Well, even in the Bible, it says that if, if you're unequally yoked and the wife keeps continuing going to church and mm -hmm. continuing to pray for her husband, then her husband is going to eventually turn to Christ. Yeah. Because women have influence. They right. have influence he, over... Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. he well, will be one because of that. Jacob just said that to his starting point leader. Sorry. <laughs> Jacob just said that to her starting his starting point leader because he told him, he's like, listen, I he, he grew up in church. He's like, but I wasn't living that way. He's like, I grew up that way. I know it, but I'm not living that way. He said, I wouldn't be coming here. I would not be doing this if my wife did not go to church and and tell me how important it was to her that our children went to church. And he's like, and I just started coming with her because she Yay. told me that's the power of influence. That's right. <laughs> Superpower. Okay, yeah. Do you have another quote? Yeah. Before we move we'll on to on. the next one, we're going to have like a three-day oh, podcast here. <laughs> I, know, I don't know how much talk. longer our kids can last. <laughs> right. This is this quote is by Billy Graham. Only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother and the molding of character in her children. Someone has said, like mother, like children. Most of the noble characters and fine leaders of history have had good, God-fearing mothers. We are told that George Washington's mother was pious and that Sir Walter Scott's mother was a lover of poetry and music. On the other hand, we are told that Nero's mother was a murderess and that the dissolute Lord Byron's mother was proud and violent. The influence of a mother upon the lives of her children cannot be measured. They know and absorb her example and attitudes when it comes to questions of honesty, temperance, kindness, and industry. End quote. <laughs> so... We're going to move on to the next superpower, which we're calling uh, family as the foundation of society. 
Yes, because women are the building blocks of the home. You know, we have whatever um, we put out, everyone absorbs. Well, and you know, you know that saying. Closely related, right? But if Mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. That saying, you know, like you when your husband comes home at the end of a day, or you meet him out for coffee, or you know, whatever, and. You are the one who brings that feeling. You are the one who has that um, position of creating an environment. So you can create that family environment. We each have our own family government, and people don't talk about that, but we all have a little mini government in our homes, Mm -hmm. and we pretty much get to set that up. We can have the government of sloppiness (laughs) and never-do-anythingness, or we can have the government of industry and joy and peacefulness and being flexible. Well, we talked about this a little bit in uh, Parenting Against the Grain, Yes. About, like, the parenting style we take on and how we kind of choose attachment parenting. Um, but, like, maybe some of us grew up in a more authoritarian home. Right. And, but right. we get to make that decision. We get to decide. Yeah. We get to put those stones in place. We get to build that foundation. Yeah. So, did you... You said you wanted to... Yeah, I had it. Well, I guess um, it, I had a example for the last one but it could play over to this but also I was going to say um, that um, your family is the building blocks of you this is building blocks of society sorry I'm trying to gather my thoughts here it's okay. um, and I think that it's interesting that what you were just saying is that when your husband comes home or when you meet your husband out for dinner or coffee after his day of work and Um, and he walks in the door, and he might have had a good day, or he might have had a bad day, might have had a stressful day or a joyful day, but when he walks in, there's this little environment in his home, and the way that you you react to him when he walks in the door and the way that your children react to him is going to influence his whole day, whether he had a good day or a bad day at work. Right. And so if you walk in and you give, start complaining about everything that went wrong, then he's automatically going to get stressed and the kids are going to come up to him and try and talk to him and he's going to snap at them because he knows you're frustrated with them. But if you walk in, but if he walks in and he feels joy, then that is how the rest of the evening is going to go. It's just joy filled. And um, even if you did have a bad day, yeah, entertaining is gonna, and I think that that is um, that's evident where well it's um, evident when you look around society and like um, when you walk into a business and you have and there's a receptionist sitting right there, and the receptionist is a snooty lady who acts like she didn't even want you to walk through the door, you automatically perceive this business as a bad business, Mm -hmm. a business that you don't want to come back to, and as you feel, even if the rest of the people are nice, you still feel this, like, overlying thing where, like, I didn't, that was not a business I want to be associated. But if you walk in the business, (laughs) and this lady is kind and sweet and offers you water and asks how your day is and all these kind of things, then it... 
it's a business that you will recommend to your friends and right. they will go back to and um because so, you feel welcome because well, you feel welcome so we have had or will have an episode on how we are the employee and the boss yes, yes. <laughs> and so that's right i was just thinking like we are the receptionist yes. we are the boss yes. we, <laughs> we are the everything we yes. are every and and it's really important to remember that if we enter Guys are problem solvers. Yes. So let's just say that. So let's say you tell... They want to fix everything. Yeah. I'm just going to use this as an example. Let's say you're a homeschooling mom. And every day when your husband gets home and he's like, how did the day go? And you say, well, this one did that. And this one did... This didn't work out. And this subject was terrible. Blah, 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 blah. Well, pretty soon, guess what he's going to say to you? He's going to say... He's going to solve that problem for you. Maybe you shouldn't homeschool. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're going to be like, no, 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 no. I wanted to homeschool. I really did. We have to remember that we are the receptionist, the boss, the employee. We're there. We need to self-correct ourselves because when we use our husband's guilty as like our (laughs) dumping ground, like they get home when we vomit, we vomit like you need to listen to everything that happened today. even Even in a different context for that. Um, I remember, like, even before I was dating Gabe, a, a boyfriend I had in high school, I would always, like, go dump the bad stuff to my mom. Yeah. And so she didn't view my high school boyfriend as a as yes. a good person. My mom did not view my current husband that way for a long well, time either. Yeah. So, like, if you... Because we want to speak to... Diff- people from all walks of life exactly like if you are bringing your yeah. bad baggage about right. your relationship right. to say your parents right. or your sister or or your boss or your yeah. boss like they're like not you wanted this job you. but all you do is complain and yeah. your boss is like well maybe i shouldn't have put you in that position right yeah so go ahead Laura. you well and i think Along that lines, even whenever you you get older, it's easy to get into that. I know that Kathleen, when me and you walk, we talk about a bazillion different subjects at one time in like hour and fifteen minutes that we walk. Right, the world's problem. That's right. And and I think it's important as women we need to surround ourselves because our husbands aren't our dumping ground. Mm -hmm. We need to surround ourselves with friends who we can say things to but that can lovingly direct mm-hmm. us yes, correct. the correct and way yes. and, and encourage us. Yes. 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 yes I yeah. agree. And so I want to talk about how that is a building block of our how families are building a block of society. So say like you have like my mom seven kids and you make homeschooling for them a pot like going to church homeschooling a positive experience mm-hmm. and they grew up their whole life and they love it they love being homeschooled they love going to church um, not that they never have anything bad or any frustrating days. Right. those days happen but still overall you look back and it's a frustrating experience and then your seven kids they're going to go off and they're going to get married and they're going to think my life was great this way. My life was great going mm-hmm. to church. My mm-hmm. life was great home being homeschooled. And so they're going to, whether they're men and they're leading their wives or they're women and they are setting up the how your their home is going to look, is they're going to say, my life was great, so I want to homeschool my children. Yes. Right. I want to take my children to church. And, of course, there are other things that play into taking your children to 
church, your faith, right. and yes. right. eternity. Right. You're okay. just, yeah. This is a good, but that's how. Broad spectrum yeah. here. But yeah. that's how. Well, and this is good to go into our next yeah. and that's, superpower. Yes. Which is motherhood as a mission field. Yeah. That's yes. right. <laughs> motherhood is a mission right. field. And Lori was just reminding us this morning the first time that she heard this was from me must have been years ago but Mm -hmm. the truth is whether we like to admit it or not some of us like to admit it more than others is that we are raising little heathens because the (laughs) truth is our children do not come out of the womb knowing the gospel they're they don't know and we are the example to them we are the missionary to them we are the ones who are teaching them about the love of the father so that they can transfer that to their relationship Mm -hmm. with jesus and the way that we treat them and the way that we raise them is a way that they look to their heavenly father toddlers don't recite proverbs in their heads when when they're upset that a toy was taken from them they just (laughs) (laughs) yes you are the one who has to be instilling those behaviors right right and when um our friend Claudia and I were pregnant at the same time, and like, I remember walking at the mall with her, and like reflecting on the passage in the Bible about how, like, the children that we're raising are arrows in a quiver. Like we right. are, we are shooting, <laughs> we yes. are shooting our children into the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, as we're raising them, we have to. We have to instill good values. Right. We have to instill... Right. Right. And the thing is, our children are growing up in a culture where a lot of their peers have never even heard a Bible story. Yeah. yeah. Like one of um, my husband's employees, she's, you know, young college student, and he was making a reference to something, and it was just, you know, a reference to a Bible story that we would assume that everybody yeah. would know. And this is David and Goliath. And she's I don't I don't know that story. That's Jesus' favorite. Yeah, so that's just the that way. Just blows that blows my mind yeah. that people don't. <laughs> well, that's the way our culture is. And unfortunately, even people who are church going often are not spending that time to I'm not saying everybody, I'm just making right. a statement that sometimes they they think that because their children go to church, right. yeah. that they are being taught everything they need to know about character, about yeah. the Bible, yeah. and and they're not because that's ultimately our responsibility. Right. It's well, not the church's responsibility right. to well, raise like, your children. I told you guys that like as as just a life goal for me, like I want to have friends from different walks of life. Yes, and so like the way Jerry. It kind of, I don't know if he got to tell that girl about David and Goliath, but, like, we don't, I think we are not open to those types of interactions and that type of spreading our influence if we surround ourselves by just the same people, people who are the same as us. Like, we do still have to be seeking out people from different walks of life to to be able to carry out the gospel. Right. Right. Right, and yes, he did, because that's the way Jerry is. He has a lot of, you know, young people working for him that he gets to. They call him Dad. Yeah. They they yeah. say, you know, Dad, we need some advice. Right, well, Seth, was, Seth taught at a Christian school for many years, and a lot of his students, um, like, to attend this Christian school, their parents had to sign something that said that their family was a Christian family. But then he also sees the kid, the student's, 
because after he worked at that the high school, he went and he worked at the the university that uh, most of them went to, mm-hmm. and he saw them all the time, and it was very evident the kids who their parents had said yes they're Christians because they go to this youth group and then I put them in this Christian school but I don't really didn't mean anything yeah I didn't really practice this stuff at home or I just assumed that even if their parents lived a Christian lifestyle they did not take the time to talk to their kids and stuff about it so their kids are going off and doing all of these things and then the other kids who were um, constantly who their parents were Active in teaching them how to live a Christian lifestyle and right. not just taking them and dropping them off at youth group, but doing family worship with them and having discussions with them about Christ and helping them figure out uh, uh, answers to questions that they had about their faith. Right. And those are the children that, those are the college students and now adults well, that are living as evident to that and following Christ and are going to be leading their family yeah. that way too. Well, and something I realize about that is that like we can only set our kids up to make these decisions for themselves. Exactly. We can't make the decisions yes. for We'd them. We'd like to, but we, we would can't. like to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we I, can't. But you're right. And but the more proactive we are yeah. when they are younger, yeah. this stuff doesn't just happen. Kids do not just become well-rounded. Yeah. Um, functioning members of society because nobody did anything with them. They become well-rounded functioning members of society because someone was proactive and took the time to do all these things that we're talking about. Well, and that kind of... Sorry. (laughs) That kind of explains a little bit about why society in general maybe views children as an annoyance because we are in, in our society right now, everything is... Um, right now. Yeah. The internet is speed is right now. Right now. If it takes longer than two seconds, we're frustrated, <laughs> frustrated with our internet. Yeah. And whenever I was a kid, it was like, you could turn it on, walk away and go watch a half an hour program and come back. And maybe the internet might be on. And then the phone would not work anymore. Okay. So, but in, everything is like all right now exactly right when you want it we expect our children i think yeah uh uh, when we're annoyed with them to just toe the line right now yeah no Mm -hmm. work involved well and and so like we have to we have to acknowledge that that may be frustrating to us but like i said earlier we may not know what what is going to happen in the future like say you're teaching your child how to respond to disappointment now. Right. Yeah. Um, and then 18 years down the road, like... They don't get into the college that they wanted to get into. Yeah. And right. they're, that but they're dealing yeah. with that yeah. on their own. You know, right. they know how to do yeah. that. Or even further down the road, like, say, <laughs> say you've raised a daughter who, in her 30s, like, is struggling with infertility. And, yeah. like, because of the things that you taught her about disappointment and trusting Christ in, in her childhood, like, she knows how to better deal with yeah. that right. later down exactly. the road. Exactly. turn to the scripture. And exactly. Yeah. And she well, has coping skills. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, how this is sometimes even a little bit more difficult, but also a little bit more 
important with adopted and foster children? Do you want to do that? Or am I putting you on the spot? (laughs) (laughs) Processing, processing, processing. I think we could, like, have a whole episode. Yeah, I think we should have a whole episode. Yeah, we should. So we're going to save that for another episode. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Um, (laughs) I was just thinking about that. I kind of want to, like, I want to bring it back around because, like, we've talked a lot about how all of this work has to go into motherhood. And so let's let's just talk a little bit about how, like, we we do have the strength to do this. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to leave you with, like, this is a list of things you have to do as, as a mom. <laughs> um, so let's, like... Those are all our superpowers. Yeah. Let's I, wrap up with something positive. <laughs> I would say that in order... Lori said this just a little bit ago in this podcast. At in order to be a good super mom, that one of the other things you need to do is surround yourself with other good super moms. Yeah. And to enable you to get through the day because, like we said, your husbands think differently from you and they're yeah. just going to get frustrated if they can't solve an issue right away. Right. They're and they're solving the issue might not be exactly what you wanted. And then you're just going to get frustrated with each other. Whereas females, no females. So yeah. if you, I have, I have good, my mom is one of them. I have a close friend, Rachel, that she calls me out on things when I message her and I'm complaining about something. And she will call me out and be like, have you, like, I'm like, Cecilia has such a bad attitude today. She want, she's whining at this, she's whining, and I'm so tired. And I say that, and then she's like, well, maybe you have a bad attitude because you're tired. And I'm like, okay, Rachel, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Talk to you later. Did you just say that, though, recently, or was I dreaming about that? (laughs) (laughs) About, um... Um, finding wiser, older. Yeah, yes. yes, you did. You yeah, I did say you that. Did just say that. Not yeah. I said that on my live videos. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm you like, know what's I funny though? This? So I have a friend who is a stay-at-home dad, and it's funny that like we can commiserate over the same things it's about cold. parenthood. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's it's diverse, um, but. That was just a funny tidbit. Um, so let's leave. I want to leave uh, like a little bit of encouragement and positivity about like you you can be yes this you can type of mom. so can yeah let like, me just and, and say something and you don't something. have to be perfect either that's what i was going to say yeah. okay we do have all of these superpowers but we also are humans right I we, think it's in my bio that, like, I'm, I'm bathing in grace. Right. <laughs> we, we need to remember that. We need to be bathing in grace, like Carly said. And we need to remember that we're not, we're not always going to do it perfectly. And there are obstacles, which is really cool because we already have a podcast coming yeah. out, Obstacles in Motherhood. Yeah. So there's always going to be obstacles because every time you step out to do what you know is the right yeah. thing, yeah. There's going to be an obstacle yeah. to overcome, but we can do it. Six or seven yeah. will be mothering when there are obstacles. obstacles. Yeah, that was a good one. That's uh, next week, right? Yeah. Yeah, but not for this podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Don't listen to me. But, um, We're like in a time warp here. <laughs> yes, you can do it, and don't 
don't oh like if you're an overthinker like me don't sit down and listen to this podcast and be like oh my gosh how am i ever going to be uh, be able to accomplish all of these things and let me tell you how you're going to because like they just said if you're bathing in grace let me tell you how you're going to be able to accomplish it with lots of prayer yeah <laughs> with lots of study of the scripture and yes. to how you how you can control your attitude, how you can control your temper. And just one thing at a time. Yeah, yes. one thing at a time. And just remember that the most important thing is to keep going back to Christ and to keep going back to the Scripture because your, your answers for everything are in the Scripture. And so when you're having a hard day or when your kids are having a hard day, um, my mom used to have this thing called the brother offended checklist. We got it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> she had children before reason, you. She I had children a, before you. That's why. Right <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyways, and it was. Um, but anyways, it was just a list of verses of um, when someone, when you're angry with someone, when you're frustrated with someone, when somebody won't share, when you've yelled at someone. Um, maybe you can make yourself those those own your own things like that, and be constantly reminding yourself because the mo- in order to be a good influence and and impart these things to your kids, you have to have those things hidden in your heart first. You cannot lead yes. a child where you have not gone yes. yourself. Yes. Because if you try, you're going to get lost. And what you said about obstacles also reminded me of the verse that uh, Pastor Wade has been talking about recently uh the thief comes to steal steal, kill kill, and destroy destroy. but i have come so that you may have life and have have it it more abundantly yeah Yeah. and that reminded me of of whenever you said that about obstacles that there's always going to be some kind of obstacle whenever you are doing what you're supposed to be doing right yeah right because if we're if we are Walking the path that God has provided for us, that thief is going to come and try to destroy it. Right. Yeah. I mean, the enemy's content with us not furthering the gospel. Right. Exactly. Uh, but when, when we're fighting back, that's when we're going to face opposition. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And every time, every time, and you pointed out to me a lot too, Kathleen, <laughs> every time we talk about a subject um, that is heading in the right direction or every time mm-hmm. I like when I stepped out to start homeschooling my kids every time I do something that I know in my heart is God ordained that enemy starts attacking mm-hmm. that he starts exactly. attacking so I don't know how encouraging that was Carly you told us to leave it on encouraging <laughs> You can do all Be things through Christ who strengthens you. Exactly. Be encouraged. You're Be not encouraged alone. that you're on the right path. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Well, and um, I think I've talked about this before too, but it's not always the easiest thing, but to see see and name the good gifts um, just in yes. the everyday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. even having a good day today with that. Like, But, yeah, just... Yeah. Being being um, thankful mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. always like at the heart. Right, and sometimes of, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I never finish a sentence. Okay, okay. Um, sometimes I have to step back and be like, "Wow, yeah, I really know who my children are as people. Mm-hmm. They are these wonderful little 
think for themselves people that are amazing. And I don't know that I would have known them that well had I not chosen the path of homeschooling and staying at home. That was a really beautiful wrap-up. Yes. <laughs> I want to leave it there. Let's okay. leave it there. So thanks for joining us today um, as we talked about some of our mom superpowers. And um, if you have a second, just reach out to us on some social media and tell us, like, maybe some of the experiences you've had with your mom superpowers. Right. And maybe, like, Lori has... Kids that are older than mine and Amory's, um, like, just give us some positive feedback about some influence you've had on your kids. But yeah, thanks for joining us today, and check back for the next podcast.